Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to remind you that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. That's right. Some of you just realized that you forgot to buy chocolates and flowers or a card for that special someone and you are in a panic. Right now you're looking at your ways going, where's the nearest Hallmark store? Where can I get some flowers? But that's okay. While you're in route to pick up that perfect gift, you have the Launchpad podcast riding right beside you. Today we have a very special episode. We have the director, Todd Strauss-Scholson, in the house, and he's talking to us about Love Letter Films, or I should say Love Letter Media. Matt throws in a couple of comic books in there. But Love Letter Films are this idea about a movie or a comic book that was made as a love letter to a genre. I bet you're thinking of a lot of these films right now. But Todd is specifically qualified for this because he has made a couple of these himself. He's also talking to us about his film, isn't it romantic, which comes out today. It's a movie about romantic comedies from the perspective of a character who hates romantic comedies, starring Rebel Wilson and one of those Helmsworth brothers. It's supposed to be really funny. I can't wait to check it out. So today, it's in theaters. But Todd also directed another one of my favorite films. It's called Final Girls. If you haven't seen that one, it is an incredible love letter. Two 80s slashers. It's a lot of fun. It's really well made. You should check that one out too. So, two Todd Strauss Scholson movies put on your homework list. I also want to say, keep up with us, the Launchpad Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Launchpad Pod, and on our website, launchpadpod.com. One more thing big thanks to all our fans. Since tomorrow's Valentine's Day, we want to let you know that we love you guys. We love hearing from you. We love you letting us know what you think is funny. We really appreciate that. We can't thank you enough. Fans all over the world, you guys are the best. Mad love. That's enough jibber-jibber. We want to deliver our Valentine's Day present to you, another episode of the Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm uh, Matt. I'm Matt. We got a special guest in the Launchpad, Todd Strauss-Scholson. Welcome, Todd. <laughs> oh, I, that's your I line, say. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's your line. And action. He's a director. Action. <laughs> My name is Todd Strauss-Scholson, and it's not a Launchpad. It's just a wooden table in someone's living room. Well, we like to play pretend here. We like to play a little pretend. <laughs> we, we go with like a nice, fun sci-fi theme. Um, Todd, you are a director. You got a movie coming out soon. You've done some movies that I actually am a huge fan. Yes. You did Harold and Kumar's Christmas movie. I love that movie. It uh, has become one of my uh, my favorite traditions. Me and my wife like to have some friends over, watch that movie, eat waffles, <laughs> get high. You know, that fun <laughs> stuff. You did a movie that we love, Final Girls, which yes. is a fun ode to classic 80s slasher, but has like an amazing human element to it and we'll get into that but even before all that i want to take it back to the first time i ever encountered todd's work and it was in a little short while i was in college called mono a mono and this thing i thought was so goddamn funny and so well shot that i watched it over and over again should, to try and to, like should we have you explain it or should we have todd explain well, it? you explain it you explain it. it's it's hysterical it's these two guys at a uh telemarketing firm i suppose is what you think it is and there's the, they're, they're auditioning for a job, I should say. And 
only one slot left, and they need to compete for it. Whoever has the best numbers at the end of the day wins, wins the job. And it turns out it's a phone sex hotline, and these two guys are going to try and get as many people, customers, uh, happy, happy endings as possible. And it's done to the tune of dueling banjos, the Platt and Scruggs dueling banjos. And it's hysterical. Great camera work, which I think is kind of one of your hallmarks. You have some really interesting camera moves in all your movies. But uh, that one set me off as like, that guy knows what he's got going on, and I can't wait to see what he does. And you've done awesome stuff. I sure do love that one. It's two straight, it's two straight guys that have got to that are trying to out gay phone sex each other, and it and and that was an idea, and it seemed very clever that the the more like macho and and that you know the more like um, cliched manly, manly you manly. have to be, the more sensitive and sexual you know you you were, and that would be done in in competition with each other, and <laughs> but that was the short that got me. Like agents and things, mm -hmm. and like got me kind of into really the potential for an actual movie. I had a I had had a job um, in the year prior. Where I was just doing I was doing like a lot of shorts for comedians and branded, you know, like a like a internet commercial for Butterfinger, like just things like that. Yeah. And intros for comedy specials, and I was shooting and editing everything, but it was a little bit soul soulless and yeah. It was fun because I was, but I was working so much and I had access to a camera and I was editing everything. And so I felt like really, I was getting really confident at being able to, you know, like do it all myself and do it on a laptop and do it quickly. Like it was kind of muscle memory. Like I felt like I was getting finally like some confidence from experience. But the th stuff that I was making didn't, didn't feel like it was you know, mine, mine yeah, or yeah. creative or personal or funny or anything. And so I, I put together like $500 of my money and I stole, I stole the camera from work and I broke into work. I shot it at the office that I worked out of. They didn't nice. know I did it. That's hysterical. With two, with two friends from college, we came up with the idea together and then shot it in a couple of hours, hoping we wouldn't get caught. And yeah, all the visual stuff. And it was a way for me to prove to myself that my ideas might work. And, and then I did it, and then it went on the internet, and it's true. Like, the fact that people, it, like, went sort of viral. It did. In that. Where's a good place to see that for you can people see it on, You can see it on the internet. You can see it on my website. You can see it on my website, or it's called ulterior, ulteriorproductions.com. It is. I Sometimes I watch it, and I go, man, pretty <laughs> I good. I did a good job there. <laughs> it is good, but it's great because no lighting is no crew. So it's just me. I'm operating everything, and every, it was. it's nice to sometimes remind yourself because when you start making movies that are bigger and bigger, you get, like, really, you get more and more removed from the center of things right mm -hmm. you know what i mean like your your hands get farther and farther away from the the nucleus of sure. the creativity mm -hmm. in a sort of a way there's more layers between you and it but so you, sometimes you watch that and you're like you know i was i was right on it and yeah. it's pretty good pretty good no it yeah. still holds up <laughs> it's a lot. It's i can a, trust my impulses it's a it's a lot of fun but today because we are so close to valentine's today we're talking about well we're talking about love letters but not maybe in the way you think we're talking about love letter film, love letter media. Oh yes, because you have a couple films. Yeah. Well, so these love letter movies. This is an idea that came to me because of well, Valentine's Day. People get a little mushy. People maybe write love letters, but love letter movies are these movies that people made that are odes to maybe a specific genre or another movie or maybe a couple of movies. But I wanted to talk about these because, well, I think you've made one of these, Todd. <laughs> 
Is, think, isn't it romantic? You want me to jump in? You're feeding me my lines? Well, is that it's not romantic, you? but go for it. <laughs> I'm thinking of Final Girls and Isn't Romantic, possibly. I haven't seen Isn't Romantic yet, but... It's a lot like Final Girls. Is it? Is well, it really? see, here you go. So so Todd's movie that is about to come out, you guys got to go see it, Su- support our support our guests, is Isn't Romantic. Todd, why don't we hear a little bit about that? Isn't Romantic is... Uh... This is my first time having to pitch it. Let's see. Okay. Let's see if mm. I got this. Here's Wait, my rehearsal. You made the movie without no, pitching? No, I know. I'm not, I'm, not like, I'm not like in the aftermath of it. Yeah. Isn't it romantic? It's a bit of a meta romantic comedy, I guess you could say. It's You know what it is? Okay, let's start that again. Take it again. <laughs> it's a romance about romantic comedies. That's what it is. No. What if it's a comedy about romance? Did you have anything to do with the production of this film? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of the best way to, to contextualize it. The story is, is that Rebel Wilson plays a woman who doesn't believe in love or love stories and thinks that actually they're really unhealthy and mm-hmm. lies, basically. Mm-hmm. But you watch these movies and they're lies. They make her feel more lonely, actually. And so she thinks it's all a crock of shit. And then it's, she gets bonked on the head and she wakes up And her whole life has been transformed into what is basically a trashy rom-com from the 90s. And she (laughs) fucking hates it. And she wants to go home. And everyone is attractive. And everyone is in love with her. And there's wisteria fucking everywhere. And all the dogs are adorable. And her house is enormous. And she tries to get home throughout the whole movie. And that's basically what it is. She's trapped in a rom-com. Are you a fan of the genre of rom-coms? Or was this a vehicle to help tell a fun story? I uh, I do like I like romances. I think that there's um for me there's a difference be- between them. I think that the best rom coms are make you feel like you're falling in love as mm. opposed to mm. are like very you know are like cliched or like very concept heavy. Yeah, you know there's obviously the ones from the 40s and 50s that are so beautiful, but the the, the references for this particular movie was like 88 to 2007. <laughs> and that sort sure. of like. The, the second wave of rom-coms yeah. in their own way were referencing the 40s and 50s. The Nora Ephron ones and those, old, you know, the, the old jazz music and things were kind of like um, reverbs of those movies. And so I did, I do like those movies. And there were a couple of favorites that made, that make you cry, that really do open your heart. Like some of them are so terrible, like The Ugly Truth, like that's fucking horrible. <laughs> 27 Dresses, like, like these are the ones that, they, they killed romantic comedies, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, for, something's gotta give is so brilliant. We can talk about why. Serendipity, I am a mm-hmm. sucker for serendipity. Yeah, I, really? think, I think it's like a profound movie that's almost like a Buddhist parable about fate. I love Notting Hill. I love it like deeply. I think yeah. it still is so funny. What's amazing about that one is that the cry moment in that movie isn't when they get together. It's when the husband picks up the paraplegic wife and goes, you're coming with us. Mm. It reminds you of something deeply human, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that doesn't feel like it's, you know, some hallmarky, you know, sweetie pie, lovey-dovey. It's not sort a saccharine. Of yeah, there's a little bit more to it. Now, do you think that your your film, do you think working on this was, if I described it as a love letter to romantic comedies, would you find any ringing truth in that? I think that that's what it is. Absolutely. I think that that's accurate. This movie, Isn't It Romantic, comes out February 13th. And as far as love letters, we've yet to see this one. But we have seen a love letter, or at least what we would call a love letter, that you directed called The Final Girls. And this movie, I got to tell you, I watched this last night. I meant to watch it for the last six nights. I just couldn't fucking get to it. My day, my week has been a shit week. Yesterday was a terrible fucking day. It was super long. I didn't start it till like 8 o'clock, and I was like, all right, because it's like a homework movie. I knew what it was about. I Actually, I knew what the first half hour was about, really, is what I knew. Everything after that, I wasn't sure. 
But I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this and I'm gonna stay awake. Felt like shit. And I turned it on, and no joke, man, I would say 15 minutes in, I was hooked. And really, if it was okay and I wasn't, like, super excited about it, I wouldn't tell you it was shitty. But I also wouldn't, like, tell you how great it was. Let me tell you how great it was. <laughs> yeah, no. tell, tell me. It really, Feed really me. was fun. Feed now, me. you guys know that Aaron and I love horror movies. You guys know that Aaron and I love comedies. You know that we love putting those two genres together. The Final Girls, this is tw- uh, 2015. It is a movie that really is a love letter to 80s slasher, 80s horror movies. It's not an 80s slasher movie. It's not a contemporary version of an 80s slasher movie, which is where I think a lot of movies that try to do what you did fail. It is this beautiful thing that starts off to be like, hey, we're going to be like that. Just kidding. We're our own movie. Referencing that genre while forging our own stuff, which is, pretty creepy at sometimes, funny as all shit. And it really is like the perfect level of like meta. I think some people, whether it's a director or a writer or some sort of creator says, ah, look, I know that this is like this. And you're like, oh, but you're taking the fun out of it that way. You have injected this with fun the whole time. I really like, I had a great time What do you think is the difference between a meta like that and a meta that you experienced in Final Girls, let's say? I think that there's like almost like a mathematical formula. Oh, and I th- oh. <laughs> yeah. We're going to oh, do math? Let's jump into it now. Let's jump into it now. Jump into it, well, I'm just okay. kind of curious because people always ask that like, how'd you get the tone? How do you do the meta so it doesn't feel like par- But I don't even well, I have think, an answer. It just seems I think like there's that. So, it's just great. I, I, tell, me if, tell me, both of you guys, I'd love to hear, because I think we all have our own ideas of what love letters are, and you guys do at home. Let us know, you know what you guys think if you agree with what we're saying. Is but- a call-in show? <laughs> yeah, give us yeah. a call. Call. Yeah. call in. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Jump um, into the conversation, guys. Join the conversation. I think, I think it's a blend of stuff, and it has to be the perfect blend. And I think if you have this much comedy, you need this much horror. If you have this much horror, you need this much comedy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to pull away from meta and just say love, uh, to say homage, to be a well-done homage, I think it needs to be a good chunk of heart. Because I think without heart, you I mean, without heart, I feel like you probably can't make a great movie anyway. I think you need a good amount of substance. And by substance, I mean your movie has to be interesting to the viewer, right? Now... There are what? There's at least 10, if not 11, Friday the 13th movies. I'm not going to say they all have substance, but they all have the substance that that audience is looking for, right? I think we can kind of agree to, if you're fucking watching the 11th Friday the 13th movie... Yeah, they know yeah, what you're yeah, there for. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, there's an understanding between the, the, the film and, and the, the audience. But I think when you say, okay, I'm going to make a movie that's going to be an homage to whatever it is, but let's say 80s, 80s horror, it has to have the things that we expect, right? But it can't be the same exact thing, which leads me to the last thing where I think you need an originality. Mm. I think you need to say, here's my movie that's kind of a nod to this other either movie, specific movie, or a genre, but here's why it's mine. And having watched now a couple of the things that you've done, Todd, I feel like Final Girls definitely has your stamp on it. And there's a difference between... The Final Girls and Stranger Things or, you know, name your other 80s referencing movie or, you know, TV series or whatever. And I feel that your your movie did a great job of maybe keeping me off balance is also part of it, too, because I kind of I'll admit when I when I was going to watch it, I knew that it was a self-reflexive out of time, out of place, 80s horror movie homage. I was like, I've seen a thousand of those, but I admit I haven't seen one like this. 
because there were numerous times where I was ready for that movie to take a left turn and it took a hard right or it doubled back. And I was like, fuck, man, that just keeps me as an audience member on board. I mean, I'm glad I came over. <laughs> I love a launch pad. <laughs> Even though it's just a wooden table and not a launch pad. Yeah, I'm loving this table. The launch, yeah, the launch pad is in our minds and in our words. You use the word original, and I think that, that that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the recipe for any of this is where it works, but I think that a true key is to parse out the difference between original and authentic. Mm. Oh, yes. good. Okay. And I think that when you say original, you're still like in like clever, clever world. You're like an intellectual world. Mm-hmm. Sure. But something authentic like feels like you can feel it. Like you can, you know what I mean? Like you can sense it somehow. I wouldn't debate that. Um, and authenticity rings true to some part of you. And original is great, but original is almost like a great idea that is good, but doesn't linger in the same kind of a way. It's obviously, mm-hmm. it's great to fuse them together. Sure. But I think for, I think the thing with Final Girls, and it's often it's p- compared to Tucker and Dale, and which is a delightful movie, obviously, but I, to, it always felt like that's not the comparison for... Not to get too into Final Girls, I know we're her doing this, but like, I think the reason why the people that have seen that movie, and not a lot of people have, but the mm-hmm. people that see it really do have an affection for it, which is great, is, is because of the authenticity, because it, it wasn't a genre exercise to the people that were making it. It was sure. a personal story about grief and loss. Right. That right and there. And Josh Miller was wrote the movie with Mark Fortin and Josh, his father was Father Karras in The Exorcist and right. died. And Josh Lisa had a personal grief and would watch his father on screen over and over and over. And that was how he could re- keep on feeling his wow. father. Which is like an amazing story, which is also like a story that fits the Hell. thing. And then I also lost my father and, and, and read the script months after his passing. And I was having like these dreams over and over dreams of just hanging out with him, not sad dreams, wow. not death dreams, just dreams of walking around eating pizza together. And so I read the script and I was like, I can feel it. This is like a fantasy about getting to re-experience a lost loved one. Mm. In the context of a genre that doesn't take death very seriously, and oh, how fun, a big concept, and you can do horror, and you can use the horror tropes to highlight the greet, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that just felt like such a clever idea and such a fun vehicle for what was almost like personal filmmaking. And that's what everyone that made that movie was trying to pull off. It wasn't sold that way. It was sold as what you're talking right, about. Right. Yeah. Which I think is wasn't helpful. But I <laughs> but I think when you talk about original versus authentic, you're talking about, oh, what a clever idea mm-hmm. versus, oh my God, that's such a surprising movie that made me feel a certain way. So then that maybe that is the difference between what I think Final Girls falls into and the thousand homage movies, quote I did well, air quotes, air quote homage <laughs> movies that we've see seen. I think maybe even if that homage movie that kind of fails and isn't what Final Girls is, maybe that didn't have those personal connections or maybe it didn't have enough of those personal connections. Maybe that movie was a job to some people or maybe it just didn't have that heart. Maybe it was, you know, a bridge to some, I don't know. I think that that's when you can get into parody territory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, right. You can get into parody territory when you don't have what feels like Sure. Well, you're hitting all these buzzwords that I have written down here about what love letters I are. Movie's tail is wagging right I know, now I'm for so sure. Because you guys are like well, the fact that you brought up the the fact that it was a, a movie about loss and about reconnection and about this girl who has lost her mother who was a film star and in these '80s slasher style movies and she gets to revisit those. But 
the fact that it was about that in a different rapper is what kept it on its toes. Yeah. It's what kept the whole movie on its toes because you're like, this isn't about killing kids. This is about a girl who misses her mother. This is about grief. This is about loss. And, oh, it, we, and it makes all the kills like a lot less fun. Yeah. Because yeah, you sort right. of feel sad. Right. And you maybe you even cry at the end was what our goal was. The end, the end hurt. Like it hit me. There's a there's a, I'm not gonna ruin it because I really do want people to watch this and Go I feel watch like this movie. The, not knowing is is part of it, but there's a connection that's at the end. And I like it's funny because the, the, the film student part of my brain who's seen a thousand movies was like, they want me to feel this way. And I was like, but I do. Like yeah. those two characters have a thing now that I'm experiencing and I've waited for that and it's important. And I was like, it hats off to you, sir. Shoot, that well, was well shoot, shooting that scene. You know, in the middle of the night in Baton Rouge with Lightning Machine and an old mm -hmm. church with those two wonderful actors. and But s sitting there, I was crying that's because awesome. that's saying goodbye to my dad. Sure. Wow. Well, it's really powerful. And so when, when I sit in the theater and I watch people watch that scene and I look around and I go, oh, shit. You nailed it. What comes from the heart goes to the heart. Yeah. That is, I think, the thing that cuts the feeling of homage parody or parody or yeah. whatever yeah. it is you were saying. That cuts it. You still do your parody and homage, but that, I think, cuts yeah. it more okay. than just like great jokes. And I think that's really what is the combination that makes a true love letter is the love. Mm -hmm. And this has that love. And But love lost, which isn't normally something you see. A lot of times the love is just an obsession. Like, well, here, here's one on my list that comes up all the time, and it's... Uh, you know, it won Best Picture last year. This is The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. And mm -hmm. I think Guillermo del Toro is a love letter director. So many of his movies are love letters to something. I mean, Pacific Rim is a love letter to giant robot Godzilla movies. But Shape of Water was a love letter to universal monsters. But it kept it on its toes with a love story that was so unconventional that it kept you watching. Say what you want about how you feel. You know, maybe you don't like the movie. Maybe you do. Are you a fan of this movie? I like that movie. I don't know why people don't like that movie. I don't know why people don't like anything. <laughs> it's Isn't weird. It yeah. nicer just to like things? Just have fun. Yeah, right? It is more what fun. I'll give that Rhapsody to you. so bad for? It's like not a great movie, but why not? It's fine. I mean, it's got a great soundtrack. What's yeah, not like to those, like? I like those bangers. I like those songs. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I, I would rather find the silver lining and enjoy something. As Matt I guess knows, that's, true. that's probably true. There's very few Ruby's things that I do me over some things that I think we can agree to deserve a high five. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that movie. <laughs> yeah, but Shape of Water is a love letter to a genre, a love letter to uh, an era of movies. I mean, they even have like the Fred Astaire dance number, which is, you know, its own genre. And and I think when you look People at that. People hated that. Right? I love that. I loved it. I love it. That's like the, some of the stuff that we just talked about with Final Girls. That is a huge step between, uh, a huge step of difference between The Creature from the Black Lagoon and Shape of Water. The Shape of Water was not, the Creature from the Black Lagoon in 2017 or 2018. It was not. It was a different movie. And that changed it, right? The, the fact that there's a love story, there's certainly no interspecies love story, but I'm pretty sure there's no love story in the original um, Creature from the Black Lagoon regardless, even a human-human uh, love story, right? Yeah. And I think those things, like we just discussed, the stuff that, that, that make these movies a successful homage, you have the heart there, right? Because we know, I agree with you that Del Toro is, is the kind of director who takes projects that he cares about. He's Loves. not just making a he movie. He has so much passion. And it's got that heart, and it's got that authenticity in it, and it's got that stuff that makes it different than your average Gilman movie that's like, hey, you remember how cool Creature from the Black Lagoon is? And I think the dances and the love story and the sex and some of the other, you know, secondary characters, I think that's exactly what that is. And I think, again, that's those elements that bring that together 
and don't make it a parody, don't make it a redo, don't make it a well, you know. A I guess a good version. I guess a good portal that you guys are talking about is like is the is the fear of like a love letter movie that's sort of pure homage is that it becomes like kind of insider. Like the, mm. like a love letter movie to another kind of a movie becomes so inside baseball. Like unless you yourself are like right. a movie nerd, aficionado, filmstruck, whatever, love right. that that you're not that you might be left out in the cold or you might just not give a shit. That's like, why I, don't I like get it. He's of... doing a fucking homage to a movie from the I don't And like care. you guys know I'm a big comic book fan. That's why I don't really care for a lot of Grant Morrison stuff. He's very deep and very trippy, but he's very much like, did you read this one issue of Batman 70 years ago? Because I'm, reckon, I'm, I'm, I'm like referencing it now. And you're like, to get this page, I have to have read that issue and know it. And then it gets, like you said, it's too insider. And I'm like, you've ruined down that issue for me. What about a movie like Kill Bill? What is, where does that fall? Is that a love letter or almost, mm. my opinion, it's a mixtape. It's almost so homage. Ooh, that's it's, a good term. Well, it's almost, it's so homage, it's almost overtly, just hey, I love this scene so much. I'm going to put it in my movie and wrap my story around it. But yeah, I mean, there are those Tony Zhao like Vimeo things. Everything is a remix. Like yeah. I, I would say that. Well, he's. I mean, that's the filmmaker to really talk about when you have this conversation, Tarantino, because he is able to repurpose the textures and the scenes mm-hmm. and even the ideas of old movies, but blend them, remix them like mm. girl talk, like a DJ would, with sampling things and creating yeah. oh, a whole yeah. new sure. thing out of it. With with a lot of those things, Kill Bill is way elevated i think it's not just a remake or everything it is a remix but it's its own is, it a, I mean, lo- is right? it a love letter to kung fu movies yeah i mean I, okay. he's like i think probably the the best at being able to do this because they're infused with a kind of um, a modern sophistication certainly they're slower and they're more dramatic and the writing is right. sophisticated and the speeches are kind of beautiful and everything but yeah the imagery and a lot of the scenes the costumes they're heavily you know, ripped off. They're not, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not but, always successful yeah. that they always do yeah. seem to translate. Like in Glorious Bastards, is kind of didn't work for me. Oh, really? I love oh, that. That's my favorite really? one. Interesting. 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 You don't like that one? I was like lukewarm on it. It was fine. Ugh, we best. can fight about yeah. this. One I was later. like, I was about to ask questions mm. about Glorious Bastards. No, we don't, we don't have to fight He's, about that. I'm, I'm, I'm hit or miss with with Tarantino. Tarantino either gets me directly where he was aiming, yeah. or misses me completely, and it just depends on the movie. I'm always just impressed that he gets to. I'm just always impressed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't love Hateful Eight like at all, but I was pretty impressed. Yeah, uh, he's, well, he's, so. I think yeah. that, that's, a, that's again without going on a little tangent. I think he's an impressive director. Love or hate him, I think when you watch what he does and and say, okay, first of all, when you know where he came from, all the way to this, you're like, fuck, man, that was that's pretty cool. You made a you made a hell of a movie there. He's maybe one of the main reasons that I came to Hollywood to make movies is because Tarantino movies are well, and they were the best. I mean, he, he makes some of the best movies. Yeah, I, I, want th- I think high you five mean came to Encino to make movies. Yeah. <laughs> is that where we are? Right now? <laughs> Rosita. <laughs> came to Reseda to make movies. Finally, I, I get to do that stuff. But it's, it, he, like you said, Inside Baseball, and his movies are very much like, did you see this weird 70s movie? Well, I loved it. Well, yeah, but the difference is, is that, like, yeah, he's doing that, so a certain kind of a viewer is like, oh, my God, footnote, 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 footnote. Right. But yeah. you can certainly enjoy it, not right, knowing if you don't any know of that it. stuff. Well, I would say that that is a love letter. So, I, and I, so you, got, you have, you have um, A Shape of Water, we're saying Kill Bill, Per this conversation, Todd, is there another love letter that springs to mind? Do you have any in, in your head? All right. I have an email that I sent myself with some things. <laughs> I, 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 hadn't, I, hadn't I hadn't totally prepared to do it. Like a full mo- Well, Austin Powers. Anything, anything you Austin want. Austin Powers is. Oh, there you there go. go. That's a great well, one. Well, is it? Is Ooh, it? I'm voting parody. Go ahead. Well, no. Let me think about it. Well, how would you define that? What's the difference? Well. What's the difference? It's so 
basically well, guess, impossible right. to, to disentangle it. What's How the about difference this? between a parody and an homage? The fact that it is, um, you know, I guess comedy is a, it's its own thing, right? But like it's injecting, it's taking the spy genre, right? You know, the Avengers and the 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 007 and stuff, and it's injecting that comedic element to it, which I think flips that whole universe on its side to begin with, right? So can it be a true homage? But the first if one's you... also like made very deftly. It's witty as fuck. Oh, it's great, and it's got the heart that we're talking about, as well as the 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 substance that I think is important. Um, it's a little bit invent. It's a little bit reinventing its own aesthetic when mm-hmm. you think about when that movie that. came out and what that movie kind of did. It is a you know kind of I would give that. new new ish. All right, it's not quite another not another teen movie. Like well, it's not just that. Sure, I and agree. With those that. only exist to shit on that genre. I think they just want to make fun of it. I don't know. I, they might enjoy those movies, but I don't think they loved teen movies. They wanted to lampoon them and take the piss out Correct. of it. Correct. I think when you watch Final Girls, I know that you loved everything that you reference in that movie, whereas when you watch not another teen movie, fucking... Well, there's also another... An, it's all bullshit. There's also... I mean, that movie's... I mean, again, once again, in high school, I thought that movie was good. Hysterical. But, like, the, the thing with that movie is, like, it's the worst kind of stand-up is, like, hey, you Correct. know that thing? Right. I do, too. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no really no commentary. There's no insight. But I think there's, there's no, no heart context. in jokes, right? There's not a heart in there. Hey, whereas... you know that thing? <laughs> yeah, I, I know that thing. <laughs> We both know that thing. Oh, yeah, fun. That's family. We guy. know that thing. And we got this little guy here to play the part of yeah. Sam Jackson. Like, like, they always were like, let's tell the same joke and have a goofy. Like, But then what's the difference between that and like Naked Gun or like one of those Zucker Abrams mm. Zucker movies? That's the, level, the tar- Well, I think the level the of joke telling of is joke? there. I, well, I think that's a huge one. I'm not going to say that's the well, thing. But I think it's important to right? get back to no heart in those movies. We weren't going to get back. Let's get back. Let's get back. We'll on get track. back. Uh, well, no, no, no. I think they're a very good point. Are they are they lampoons? Are they love letters? But I think to, to get directly to the Austin Power thing, to solve the Austin Power riddle, it was lampooning and sort of a, a, a take on the 007 genre and spy movies. But it was also like in like Flint, like the br- sort of British mod culture. Right. It, it is kind of like um, it's a mixture of a lot of different. It's not it's Bond. Plus, it's also it's like, you know, right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it takes that genre. Yeah. It takes that era. It, it, it really was writing to something, but also it expanded on it. I think that that was something that said, look, this was something we all thought was base and silly, like Austin Powers is initially represented as this silly swinging spy 60s free love guy and and we thought it was silly and goofy but there's actually more to it and more depth to it and more human uh, more of a human character is than just what Bond depth? is. Is but is that accurate? I think is there t- depth? Is he? A Rumi, human? One thing you got to know is Rumi loves Austin Powers. <laughs> no, I love no, Austin no, no. Powers no, too, but like no, but, but on like deeper levels. But when they just show the him, is, yeah, go ahead. When they show him all the stuff that he missed out on, and he realizes that it's more than just swinging sex parties and being a spy. That's the moment, and I think that's kind of the real lesson from that movie is the 60s were so superfluous, but now that we've evolved, that we've landed on the moon, that we've, you know, women have held all these rights and, 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 and now can be spies alongside you, and he realizes the error of his ways or that everything isn't just a joke. That was a deeper moment Subversive, for that movie. Yeah. yeah, and there's something to that, and I think taking a genre like you know, the James Bond movies, which, you know, you watch them now and there are moments where you're like, man, James Bond's just a dick. So cool the way he drinks those martinis. <laughs> it's like that. I think that deserved having its its sort of bell rung a little bit with an Austin Powers. But is it a love letter? That's so I still don't know if I have a, a straight answer for that. Well, let me ask. Let me ask a question. 
you have a movie, and again, not to keep coming back to Final Girls, but you worked I mean, on it, and let's you're just right keep here. On coming back to <laughs> well, Final DVDs are available like, on uh, Amazon. Like that movie definitely is. I would I would say it's a comedy, but it's not just a comedy. Listen, that, it's you, it's it's complicated, and it's one of the reasons why it wasn't the humongous success because well, no one really knew what how to explain it. Which to is anyone. funny because I think that is the in my opinion that is the success of the movie. Whereas I feel yeah. like Austin Powers is a comedy, right? If you go to Blockbuster and you're looking, Blockbuster is a place where you would go and they had videotapes there that you could pay money and then bring the videotapes home. <laughs> oh, huh. um, we have some uh, some kids listen. <laughs> I I wish I could do that now. If you do that. If you go to Blockbuster, Austin Powers is in the comedy section for sure, right? Right. Final Girls may or may not be. It may be in the horror section. It could be in different sections, You know where right? it always is? is in staff picks. <laughs> oh, well, hey, that's actually a pretty, pretty good place to be. Well, that's the best place to be. That being said, do you think that taking a, a subject and looking at it through the lens of comedy, pure comedy, like Austin Powers, as opposed to the comedy that's in Final Girls, do you think that that changes whether or not it becomes an homage or a love letter? I think you ride a fine line. I, th- I definitely think because you could cross over. You yeah. could easily cross over and just be kicking the shit out of a genre and be like, look how but dumb that was. But do you cross was. over the second you're like, all right, what if we make this movie about this spy who gets frozen and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and it's going to be played by Michael Myers and it's going to be all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. Mike Myers. It's not, it's not, the, <laughs> not the killer. Uh, Mike Myers. baby. Yeah, baby. Oh my gosh! Once you 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 look at that script and say, "But it's a comedy," is it no longer? It, well, is it less of a love letter and more of a comedy? Like, does comedy change whether you'd label that? Well, one of the ones on my list is Shaun of the Dead, and I think that's a good example of a comedy that is a definite homage to George Romero movies. Okay, but where does it fall in the video store? You know, is that too comedy? Ooh. Too comedy to be horror? Damn, that was a fucking great segue. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't see, we didn't even plan that shit. Wow. Do you like uh, Shaun of the Dead, Todd? I really like Shaun of the Dead. It's my favorite one is of his movies. Yeah, agreed. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Is it an homage or was it able to become its own thing? I have no fucking idea. I think that wow, um, this is this is fucking hard now. We, we've ripped our heads. I didn't apart. realize yeah. we were gonna, like. Well, I just don't. I just it. think that they're. I just think that creating some binary situation is almost impossible because there's moments that are moment. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of dips in and out. I think probably the the relationship between Nick Frost and Simon Pegg is that's that's why that movie is I, to me the best of yeah. his movies is because that one feels the most. It has so much heart. Uh, yeah, Back and to the, the self awareness is quite good and it's a little bit final girls in in the sense that people are reacting how real people would react given that scenario sure. and that's good so they're not homage like they're kind right. of real people in the middle of a genre that's going bananas it's funny you say that that's, that's one of the things it. i thought about your movie was you, you know in final girls there uh there are characters who understand what's going on so they're the audience's gateway into being like like they're saying the audience's thoughts at that stuff and I feel that a lot of successful successful homages and love letters do have that. And I think maybe the heart is where it is because it kind of, that pulls you in and it's so, the audience it's, that connection. Yeah, it's nebulous though. I think I think one of the reasons why meta stuff works and is working so much now to the point where it's probably going to break and stop. Like sure. you think of something like Deadpool, for instance. Yeah. It like which is an I don't I hate Deadpool, but like oh wait I don't have any movies I love Deadpool. De- De- Deadpool yeah, why great. hate stuff? Why hey, hate stuff? Like <laughs> Can we just like stuff? No, I don't like the bro jokes, and that's too ultra violent to me. But it, it's cool. It looks cool. But I think that like for that movie, it's meta about a genre. 
Yeah. Which is like, it's another one of those, hey, I know those movies. Me too. Like, it's yeah. kind of like sure. there. I agree with but that. But there's something obviously refreshing and exciting and, you know, that's great for audiences. But I think for, for me, the meta stuff that is the most exciting is, at least to me, so many, so many movies or so many big, bigger movies, at least, feel more and more divorced from how real people like think and feel about stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just feels like, like it's so, there's so many, it's so tropey and it's so tropey and, and those tropes are supposed to function like emotion, but actually they're right. weirdly unemotional. And so I think people turn towards the, you know, the stories of their friends and the people in their lives. They get stuck on social media. They watch Twitch videos. They, that's a much more exciting way to tell a story and more authentic than the sort of cardboard tropes. But I think that if you could do a meta thing in an interesting way, it like retethers your movie to a kind of a authentic reality. When you go, I'm doing this trope and we know it and we're doing it for this reason and you're still, it's still going to work. It's, you're still going to feel, you're still going to love it. And I think you can create a bridge between the storyteller and the audience with it if you're doing it in an interesting way so that the movies don't just feel like they're completely a separate thing from you that's the hardest part because i think people get lazy with that concept where they go well this this character's supposed to feel something and this character's supposed to make the audience feel something i don't know how to write that script but hey guys et lunchbox remember that and everybody goes yeah <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah. yeah and so the nostalgia and the like you said the trope of it is trying to it can be a crutch and i think mm -hmm. maybe that's something that rings true for dead or a cheap or a cheap laugh i mean i don't want to shit on any movies i don't think that's a good thing to do but no. but it some leave that you know us. what it's what you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, leave it to you that. guys i remember I, is this am i remembering this right that there was a line in the sopranos one time where gandolfini is like bitching about like hanging out with a friend or something and he goes i hate like those remember when conversations you know you know a conversation's running of steam when you go hey remember that time remember that time remember that <laughs> that time yeah you say what the fuck what are we talking about well, there's nothing to talk about right, yeah. anymore it's sometimes it feels like that to me mm -hmm. remember that thing remember that thing remember that thing and that's it just doesn't feel like there's any it's like soul like a in joke that. substitute it's like insert a joke here i don't really know a joke but hey transformers <laughs> yeah like, Ooh, cool bro yeah, yeah. I, and it does. It becomes a crutch I, I definitely think a lot of movies if they've run out of a way to keep their characters real they insert a. I, I think I think that the trick with it, it's it's a it's a segue a little bit into isn't it romantic, which hopefully everyone has seen because we're recording yeah. this the day of. I'm spending my opening day with he, you guys on the launch pad. Yeah. <laughs> Times a flat circle. I think that the I think that the difference is is that, or at least the idea with isn't it romantic, and even in Final Girls, they're very sort of weirdly similar movies. Except mm. I think people are going to see one of them, and <laughs> and <laughs> not the shit on the. But more people. But is the idea of like pulling textures, pulling tropes, um, taking elements of a genre and then um, and then almost like reconfiguring them, repurposing them. So you think of like pop art does a great job of that, like sure. Jeff Koons or something. You know right. what I mean? Like there's a million of those beautiful pop artists that would take the elements of other things and then put them together to create something new out of something old. And I think that 
like that's not the only way, but that is a way to do more than that thing that you guys are talking about, which is that, hey, remember, I'll just put a lunchbox in here and that'll get it a reaction. But if you could take the lunchbox and you could use it in a way that is it becomes insightful or it illuminates some other thing or you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. to that that. So it feels a little bit more artistic in, sure. a, in a way when you reconfigure it. I mean, I, I think a good example is maybe like Legos and you get the Legos, you follow the instructions. It makes a cool pirate ship. But then you're like, I want that pirate ship to be a spaceship. And you take that apart. And even though the parts are still there and the pieces still look like ladders and plastic sharks, when you can put them together into something different, that's your creativity. That's your heart because you love creating something, because you love building something, that you've made something different with things that people recognize. And I think that that is where that creativity and, and the power of a, of, of a good creative crafting of a story that's what people recognize. It resonates. writing too. There is my father. What I always talk about. William Burroughs had this the cutout method. You know what that is? No, explain it. It's so it's crazy. But I'm sure that the internet will say that this is not not true. But he would Screw always tell guys. me the, the yeah. Naked Lunch was written like this, and the reason why like Naked Lunch is such a convoluted. Sure. It almost makes no. It's dream logicy, and it kind of doesn't even. It's just like so wild because it was cutout method. But cutout method was as if Burroughs would be like on heroin and he would he start cutting out lines and words from other books and just pasting them together in a new order. And that was how to build a book, like mm. a ransom note. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Like actually yeah. the content. Literally, yeah, literary yeah, version. The content, not just the actual typography. And so that's a good ex example of, of the idea of like taking textures and other elements to create something completely new and potentially quite beautiful out of it that's fascinating and i think if you could start thinking about like meta things or homages like that it actually becomes pretty pretty interesting you know when when used well i think absolutely like i think there's a lot of times when people say you know nothing's new and everything's been done i mean and I'll say one like Cabin in the Woods is one that comes to mind. I mean, yeah. that movie is rad, but that really kind of, I think that's a really great one. I think the moment, the moment that everyone really, I mean, the, the two guys that are the talking about the opening scene is so clever. Right. You know, and the, the whatever, but the movie, but like the thing at the end when like all those monsters jump out of the elevator and it's like, oh, fuck. Right. Like yeah. that, it just works so great. But to me, that's a, somehow that feels like a version of like, of, do, of doing this basically of like of like taking an idea you've seen before or taking a creature you've seen before or taking a moment in the movie that you know before and but and but like recontextualizing it in such a wild way that it still feels but it feels new well yeah. and yeah. even in that moment when they're going through the zoo of monsters you recognize pinhead but it's not pinhead it's a guy with buzz saws in his head holding a uh, like a, a puzzle box you knew what it was but something different you know, we've never seen the unicorn, but the joke plays so well that turning that into some horrific monster is a fun way to get people on board with it. And I think I'm so glad you brought that up because that was the number one on my list of, of, of the love letter films that I'm obsessed with. And it's because you have so much passion for something and you have so much love for it, even though you might be borrowing or reusing those textures or those, those sort of contextual clues it reworks itself into something that is just thrilling. Here's Put another one. I'm just, I hadn't written this one down, but just talking about it. Thank God. I'm thank God. It's so nice to just attune to other people sometimes, <laughs> but like, how about blazing saddles? Like Mel Brooks is an amazing, yeah. an amazing person that you can talk about. The movies are great. Spaceballs, mm -hmm. you know, but those do seem like parodies on the face of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, very much they're screwball. They're crazy, but 
but particularly Blazing Saddles, how would you contextualize it? Because don't forget, at the end of that movie, it is so fucking genre-breaking. They bust out of the movie onto the studio into right. five other movies right. and say, <laughs> it's also a race, a ra- a, like, it's like, a, it's like Black Klansmen. It's like a, it's a full-on race relations. Right. Very loud, very political movie done quite silly and it's the sort of the same thing with um the springtime for hitler the greatest the, the, oh, the, the producers, best comedy oh, the producers. Yeah. you know what i mean he's always with making fun of hitler i mean mm-hmm. they're they're quite they're quite aggressively political but done like he's the the clown and right. you, you don't see it coming i mean you so is like, that a, is that just a parody because he's parodying westerns and da, 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 or is that hmm. actually so elevated well, what is the lo- like to be a love letter? What is the love letter to? Right, there's got to be. Is it a love letter to Western? Or, or is it using is it using the iconography of Westerns to comment right. on something more sophisticated? Right. That's a tough one too because Ooh. it's such an We're art. Thinking tonight, fellas. I know. Thanks, Todd. This is a this is a, uh, a it's an archetype film though. That movie is the base archetype for so many comedies to come that I don't know if I can sort out what the original is doing mm. versus all the lampoons and parodies and people recontextualizing that into their own thing that you're like, oh, that's a love letter to Blazing Saddles. Well, what is Blazing Saddles then? Is that just base genius? Because uh, is it a love letter to Westerns? I don't know. Interesting. But, no, I think it's using that genre to be quite common, a real commentary on, on the times, which is still relevant so. now. And then I think if you compare Blazing Saddles to Once Upon a Time in the West or something, it's like not even a competition. Yeah, right. exactly. I, mean? I agree with that. But, I'm on board for that. But I think, like, Young Frankenstein, is that a love letter to the universal horror movies? Or is that a parody? Because that sort of is just quite, it's quite screwball and zany and deftly hilarious. And yeah. It looks beautiful, the black and white and everything. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, is is it saying is it saying much more than that? I don't know if it expands on the genre. Because that, that, maybe that's something about it. And is that it. bad? That movie's like the funniest no. comedy ever. For it, If it's not a love letter film, that doesn't mean it isn't an amazing film. That doesn't mean it wasn't made with passion and 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 talent. But, you know, just for our sake of our silly argument, <laughs> uh, maybe it's not. Because here's another thing about a love letter film is it expands on the thing that it's, it, that it's creating. Like Shape of Water made a universal monster movie bigger than any of the universal monster movies by themselves. Maybe young Frankenstein is just lampooning Frankenstein and didn't expand on the genre of universal movies and that the horror movies of that genre. It's just, just a funny movie. That's hysterical. And I like, I, I like, I like how we've kind of figured out blazing saddles here. Cause I think that it is a slightly meta self-reflexive political comedy that uses, I think the, 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 I'll say the frame, I guess, of cowboy movies, of westerns, to, to do what it's trying to do, and I think it does so effectively. But I, I would, based on what we're saying so far, I'm going to say it's not a love letter because I feel you need, you need a recipient for the love letter for it to be a love letter. And I feel like Shape of Water, clearly he's sending that love letter to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Final Girl is just sending it to 80s slashers in general, but like Jason is a big influence, right? Huh. And I feel like one of my favorite love letters ever of, of of all time and i'm not sure if you've read it i don't know if you have there is a marvel comic that was released in 2002 called spider-man blue it's a six issue series written by jeff Loeb, who wrote long halloween and it's drawn by tim sale who also draw long halloween those guys work together like crazy they did a series of love letters the first one was the year before which was daredevil yellow and in it it is matt murdoch writing a love letter to karen page 
And I think at that point, actually at that point, she had died in the comics. So you're reading this, you're reading this book series from a character to a character that he loved and was lost. And in doing so, it's recounting the history of Daredevil and his relationships with Karen Page. So it's Matt Murdock and Daredevil. So it's telling a love letter to it's, that. It works on two levels because the, the story itself mm. is a love letter from a literal love letter from a character to another character, but also the book itself is, is those two creators and Marvel's love letter to the Daredevil of old. And I think it works really well. My favorite, and this is literally my favorite comic book. I cannot recommend this comic book enough. It is the one comic book I used my marriage to make my wife read. I was like, listen, you have to read this book. It is that important to me. She was not allowed to touch it. I was the holder and the turner of the page. But the trade-off there was I also did voices. (laughs) (laughs) This book is amazing. This book is Valentine's Day, and it's Peter Parker in his attic on, on cassette tape recording a love letter to the very dead Gwen Stacy. And in doing so, he recounts his entire relationship with her, how she came into his group of friends, how that altered the group of friends, how that group got changed when Mary Jane entered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's also these bitch and Spider-Man battles with bad guys, mostly like 50, 60, 70s bad guys. And that story also is a love letter from Peter Parker to Gwen Stacy. And then the story is a love letter from Marvel and those artists to John Romita. John Romita was a huge Spider-Man artist, hmm. you know, throughout. He did some of the most important Spider-Man stuff of his time. Tim Sale is the artist on Spider-Man Blue, and he has a very distinct style. But it kind of incorporates these Romita-esque elements in that. So it's his love letter also to that. And then my favorite, it's my favorite comic book page in the world. At the end, Mary Jane kind of catches Peter Parker in the attic, leaving a love letter on her, on his tape recorder to his dead girlfriend, who, if you've ever read two Spider-Man comics, you should know that Gwen Stacy is Peter Parker's true love. That's my, that's my opinion. Mary Jane. Ooh, cold. She's, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get there, but Mary Jane, she was the one that was still alive, and she yeah. is great for him, et cetera, et cetera, but she catches him, and this scene is my favorite page ever. She says, tell Gwen that I said hi. And I think that that is her love letter to Peter because she's like, listen, you have this crazy fucking life, and your girlfriend got killed because of it, and I can never touch or judge you for that. And, like, that page almost makes me cry. And, like, even right now, I'm almost getting choked up talking about it. He is. He's tearing because, up. Tearing I'm up. not tearing up, but I, am, I have a lump in my throat. He's, because he's getting his microphone I can just, all wet. I can just imagine, imagine the love of your life you go upstairs and he or she is leaving a love letter to the girl that got away forever and it was his fault. And to not judge and to not let that affect your relationship, if not just that, but to support that, it blows my goddamn mind. And that was one of the books that really made me think like, fuck, comics is this amazing medium. So that is probably when you said, Rumi, that you wanted to do a love letters thing. Yeah. Remember, the first thing I said was, does it have to be movies? Because... The first thing that comes to my mind is that book. And it's oh, a whole and I, I almost said, yeah, we can only do movies. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I didn't because that's, that's amazing. Then I wouldn't be crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, to wrap things up, we've hit about an hour. To wrap things up, since you're talking we about love We've hit an hour? Time almost. flies in the launch pad. It looks like a wooden table, but see, I've recontextualized it wow. from a launch pad into a wooden table. So since you were talking about love letters, since it's Valentine's Day, since you made a movie about romantic comedies, 
Are you a love letter guy? Have you ever written a love letter? Yeah, I almost only write love letters. Really? Yeah, yes. You mean that's the only thing you write or that's the only type of letters you write? I think that I am the best writer when I'm writing a love letter. Okay. Really? Yeah, Yeah, I have a long history of entering relationships with women and writing love letters and then getting out of relationships and trying to get back into them with a great love letter. An awesome love letter. And I have a file of these on my computer, I think from when I'm like 14 years old. This is a, wow. It's an, an unfortunate pattern in my life. That's interesting. What about you, Rumi? Do you ever write, write love letters? Yeah. Yeah. I have to have, I'm sure it's not as prolific as Todd's, but, and I certainly not 14. 14, I was too busy fucking watching Star Wars to write a love letter. <laughs> Reading comic books. My love letter was, I love you. I know. That's as, that's as deep as I could get <laughs> at that point. Mine are multi-pagers. Yeah. No, I think I've done like one or two of those, and it was probably like in critical status. Like, fuck no. I need to try to secure this relationship. <laughs> and like definitely do like, <laughs> I'm big on the written word of love. Like I will often leave post-its for Amanda. Like, hey, I left one today in the, in the because I know she always goes in the bathroom first thing in the morning, so I throw it up on there on the the mirror. And I'm not saying that that's a love letter. I'm more of like a love note kind of guy. I think a love post That's note. where I'm at. But when, 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 it, when it comes, I'll do a love letter. So I'm going to tell you guys about the first love letter I ever wrote. Um, I guess I'll just tell you what it said. Dear Alex, I love you. I really, really love you. I, I think you're amazing. Love, but didn't put the name on there yet because I was trying to trick this guy. I saw this in a cartoon. I was like, this is going to be hilarious. We're going to write a love note from Jennifer to Alex and I'm going to slip it in his bag. But I didn't want to put the name on it yet because what was if she this saw unbeknownst it? Like a bizarro to, Cupid, you're fucking with the wait, guy? Was yes. this unbeknownst yes. to Jennifer, though? Jennifer uh, yes. didn't like, hire yeah. you? Oh, yeah. We thought this was going to be a really funny joke. <laughs> we rude. I know. How old, How old hey, were you? First grade. Nightmare. This is like, Four days ago. This is like, you probably traumatized this guy, Jason. No, no. Because here's Alex. what happened. Say, say, say I'm sorry. Here's what happened, though. <laughs> you, don't I, know, you don't know what this apologize is Apologize I Alex. do know what happened because I learned my lesson Because Alex is dead. Because my parents found the letter in my backpack unsigned because I was waiting to the next day. <laughs> and my parents <laughs> were like, yeah, it never got to him. So my parents were like, is this how you feel about Alex? And I was like, uh, uh, and I didn't want them to find out that I was being a dick and going to fuck with this guy. And I didn't want to tell him I was going to put Jennifer's name on there to be an extra dick <laughs> and like be a jerk ass Cupid. And I was like, yeah, 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 I guess, I guess so. So embarrassed. And they were like, maybe you shouldn't come on so strong, buddy. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was, oh, it was so embarrassing because it was like me being a jerk. My parents caught me. Who knows what they thought? Because here I am writing this love note to this boy in my class. This, now this, <laughs> just like, this explains like, hmm. a lot because Aaron has often told me that his parents have never met his wife, Kate, and he brings me home no, for all of his holidays. <laughs> He's no, like, my yeah. parents love Kate. Yo, be- <laughs> do, they lo- do they know how you love her? Yeah. Did they I go mean, to your wedding? Yeah. Did they <laughs> see you? They paid they, for it. Did they see you kiss? Yes. Did they go On to your the wedding? Answer him. <laughs> they were, did they? They paid for half of it. You have pictures? Uh, there? Did Alex go to your wedding? No. I did never Jennifer saw go to your wedding? No, I never saw any of them Move again. It. What if Alex it's and terrible. Jennifer are fucking together right now listening? It was ridiculous. It was all goofy. I, I did write a lot of love letters to my wife, though, because it was like, you know, you had, you had all you had was your heart. I so love silly. a love letter. I love receiving a love letter. I love writing a love letter. I think it's so sweet. And you keep, the, you keep them forever. Yeah. You keep them forever. I, I have a, a shoebox full of yeah, the letters reason, my wife and I wrote to each why. other. Yeah, it's like, so it's, like, it's like hearing someone say you're not alone. It almost brings tears of joy to you, you know? Yeah. Do you ever read yeah. a love letter, like an old love letter that's very nice from a love that you don't have anymore? Yes. And is that 
Is that a, a bittersweet experience or is it one one more than the other? Is it more sweet, I just sweet, think it's so beautiful to see anyone be so open-hearted and tender towards anyone, especially when you're in that moment in their, sure. you know, in their spotlight. It's so nice. Do you think it, it also reminds you that it's also tra- transient. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, that yeah, spotlight can go to other people as time goes on. But when, but yeah, it's just nice to see that people have the capacity. Mm. I like it. I have a, I have a bag. I have a bag of notes that a, a girl, when I was like a 14, 15, 14, that's first awesome. girlfriend, we were writing notes back and forth. I kept everyone. I still have them. Well, I think it's so sweet. Well, here's a question. Like this is the last, I don't want to make this forever, but like it's, it's the, the month of love. And mm-hmm. do you think the written word of love is easier to pour, to, 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 to say, like you said, to be, to be clear, to be trans- transparent with a person, then verbally, and I know like most of the loves, and we've all said it, I know you, ha- no, you have too, both of, all three of us have said that a lot of these love notes that we're referencing are from the past past, not like yesterday or today, but like we've all mentioned when we were kids. If we were writing love notes as kids, don't you think that as a, a high school or a college kid, you wear your heart on your sleeve love-wise a little bit more? So why, why don't we should, as adults, we should write more love letters, right? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's do that. It's Let's easy. It's that. obviously easier in a letter because you're not standing there with the energy between but do you the think space as an, of two people. Do you think as an adult, I guess, do you think as an adult, you could write as open a love letter yes. to your love as you could as a kid? More open. I you would think say that's Todd I, or that's people everywhere? I, I, her, Speak for I, everyone. How could I possibly know? Maybe it's just Todd. <laughs> what would you know. think? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm... A part of a part of my life is trying to open more and more deep deeply as as I get older. So as a kid, yeah, you're writing a love letter, your heart's on your sleeve, but you're also reactive and panicked and terrified. Sure. And, mm-hmm. um, and you're saying everything that you feel, yeah. but almost like you're a slave to your fear and desire. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. how free are you yeah. when you're a free spirit when you're 16? Or are you a fucking slave? Sure. <laughs> well, to every impulse that comes okay. through your body. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But maybe when you get older and you have a little bit more um, dimension or at least awareness of dimension, you can write things that are more true mm. to you um, and for someone else. That's not just about alleviating something or getting something off your chest or writing. I, sometimes you can read those love letters from when you're a kid and they're almost like just you're fucking bashing someone over the head with sure, all yeah. of your feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's feeding this compulsion <laughs> yeah. monster. You know what I'm yeah, saying? 100%. Like, yeah. They're quite beautiful and they're very authentic and they're 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 filled right. with energy and passion, but actually how authentic are, are they? Sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like when you're Absolutely. wasted and you're like, I love you. Right. But is that more meaningful than your vows that you've worked awfully hard to figure out a way to say how you actually feel, which sure. takes a bit of um, self-investigation. So I think if you're, if you're, li- if you're doing it, if you're, if you're growing as you grow, that maybe they can actually be more beautiful as you get older. Wow. You want to do a love letter challenge where we all like, <laughs> no, for real. Let's make it a competition. All, no, no, the challenge might be the wrong word. Um, a love letter. Let's just all write love, love letters. Who can love harder? I can love. I love all of this. Like mono, I love my like fans. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> yeah. I am all about Man, that's coming full right full circle. What if we all write a love letter uh-huh. to somebody that's not at this table so we can't do each other? Oh, okay. It could be anybody you want. All right. And then you want, we don't have to share them with each other, but just 
Matt wrote a love note to his dad. Aaron wrote a love note to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. No, that, that wasn't a setup for that joke. No, if we're like, you want, want to do it, wouldn't that be a nice thing? Because now oh, we're all no. in like a love mood. So, Let's so, do it. So you're saying it's not so much a challenge as a competition. It's, hey, I challenge you to to take the courage and look into yourself and write something nice yeah, for yeah, somebody. Because we talked about love. I think like we talked about what a lot of a, a love letter means in a lot of different ways. And then like what Todd was just saying now about how writing notes and we talked about how transparent you put you put really you put yourself out there and I said why don't we write more note, notes as adults cuz I'm kind of an adult so I feel like that would be cool and I think like like in real time on the podcast no no no, no, no just no. like like in the next couple of days or whatever in a week just, but like how, just, how about we just do it right now and everyone just sits tight for 25 minutes do that? in silence and <laughs> we'll do that? Like, yeah you just hear the script I would like, do that no is that crazy that's crazy <laughs> I'd do it aren't you a writer I mean I could do it but do they want to listen to that no <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> not in real time. <laughs> yeah, in real just put time. your microphones down. It's just like all you're gonna hear is me chewing on a pencil, being like, I, I don't know. They're just here to be like, Rumi, how do you spell conceive? <laughs> Rumi, how do you spell receive? Maybe everyone listening right now stops whatever they're doing and writes a love letter. Yeah, let's in all real time, let's that, let's all be a do time that. Writing <laughs> exercise. <laughs> We don't have to do it. I, I think we should all do it in general. Like, let's say whenever you hear this episode, and we're recording this episode today. Today on February 13th? Let's, let's write it within next week. Can you say within a week? And, and give it to somebody. Like, so someone that you, you're comfortable with. And it could be like a romantic interest, or it could be like, like I said, father or, or I brother. I think a love letter is, I think it's, yeah, you do it to someone that you're in love with, you're married to, you're dating, I think is beautiful. I think writing a love note or a note of appreciation to your sibling or your yeah. oldest friend. Yeah, those or all an count, old right? teacher. Those work. It's almost more significant, isn't it? Because I agree. Because they would never see it coming and you expressing your care is so meaningful. Yeah. So I think there's someone cool. like that. Yeah. You know. I agree. And I already wrote my wife a freaking post-it today. What does she want yeah, from me? Yeah, fucker. <laughs> what does she want from me? Yeah, post-it. All right, well, this is, so then that is almost like the challenge then is the launch pad is asking you for Valentine's Day to reach out, right? Right. And do we want to let, do you want to add one more level? I think what we should do is we should, we should compare everyone's love notes and we'll pick the winner. Send them in. Send them in. <laughs> That's Patreon. Bury your soul on a piece of paper. Let's do it real paper too, not like uh, not an email. Uh, I don't know because what if you can't just get that to that person by February? Oh, because you don't know that kid because you don't have <laughs> you don't have fucking Alex's home address now. Oh no, I yeah, maybe that's more fun. Maybe you write it in hand and then you scan it in or take a photograph. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, write it in hand and then okay. you can digitally right. send right. it. Okay. Oh, this is good. We. I like I like how this brainstorming action is going. Here. We've we've really thought right. up quite a bit. So that's the love note challenge, man. This got fucking deeper. I was like, oh, let's talk about the cabin in the woods, and it follows. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're writing love note. No. Uh, I like Wait, it though. Okay. I'm on board. You you tell me, but do you think that there's anything to just like quickly reading through the lists that do you it. guys put together? Yeah, you guys. I mean, everyone put together a list. So just talk about what we want. You don't have to talk about it. Just re I want to hear. Sure. I want to hear the list. I had cabin in the woods. I had The Guest, I had It Follows, and I had Stranger Things. And then I also had the Marvel books that I brought up. Okay. So you I had, hit everything, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I didn't hit The Guest, and I didn't hit... I mentioned Stranger Things, but we didn't go into it. So I had The Love Witch, The Void... The, the Love Witch. Yeah, The oh, Love Witch. The Void. Yeah. Excellent. The Green Inferno. The Void. Oh. Yeah. What's The Void? Oh. The Void is a really cool Lovecraftian movie that sort of is in the vein of like John Carpenter's The Thing. People trapped in a hospital while some cult opens up a gateway to a different dimension and tentacle monsters come out. It's at the very least worth the watch. I liked it a lot. Very cool. But I think, I mean, I know a little bit about your taste from this and from the stuff of yours that I've seen. It, I, I think that you would admit at least it was worth the watch. Uh, the Green Inferno, which is Eli Ross' love yeah. letter to 
cannibal movies. Sure. Is what I don't like that movie necessarily, but, but again, a, a I, I'm gonna try Todd's method and not hate anything and just but it's a good example. He definitely loves yeah, those movies. Put that poison in you. Shaun of the Dead, <laughs> Grindhouse, which is Oh, that was on mine. Okay. The best. Yeah. I love Scream. Sure. Okay. Oh that fuck, that would have been a good one. <laughs> it says Kill Bill, Django Unchained, uh Final Girls, Expendables, Shape of Water, Krampus, Hail Caesars, The Artist, Pacific Rim, Stranger Things, House of a Thousand Corpus, Corpses. Hobo with a shotgun, Mars attacks Monster Squad. Ma- Ma- Yuri. Ma- um, um, what'd you just say? Monster Squad. What was one before that? Mars attacks. Such a great one. Oh, that would have been good. Mars attacks is so good. Um, how long? Austin did you think Powers. This, you're and still going. Sin City. How long did you think this podcast was? Is I wasn't going to talk about all sir? of them. I just oh, wanted to have like just in case something came up. Yeah. In case me and you were looking at him like, uh, I did not. I didn't watch Final Girls. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck we're talking about. Well, it, it, if you guys had something that came up with it, then I'd be like, oh, that relates sure, to sure. this movie. It's a, just good to have. What did a you lot have of that? overlap. La La Land I had, which Ooh, is so obvious. Good one. Um, things we talked about. Shaun of the Dead, Kevin in the Woods, Grindhouse Scream. Mount of the Teen movie. I got that. Jammed that into the conversation. <laughs> Analyzed this and that. Kind of mafia movies. Okay. But with, you know, neurotic. and Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um. Stranger Things, Walk Hard, Walk Hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because like the biopic kind sure. of made it fun. Don't Be a Menace, uh, Austin Powers, Glorious Bastards. Ghost Dog is a, was a, is a great one. You know that Jeremish movie? Yeah. yeah. A lot of, it's 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 basically like La Samurai. You know that movie? The Jump Here Milton I would movie. say that that's actually a really good example of a love letter. Because that's a good one of how it's, it's a different tone, different look, completely yeah. repurposed, but actually quite. A good samurai movie. Sure. They're great in its own right, but quite similar. Like Right. You know the the butterfly flies on the that, that moment is mm-hmm. on the on the on the sword on the gun. It's like kind of amazing. I love um, that movie. And uh, Hateful Eight, we kind of talked a little bit about. I had Rogue One, a Star Wars story, because I knew you guys were fucking mm, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> but but more but more but not really the whole movie. Although I bet you had something mm. to say about it. But because of the blind, you know, the blind samurai sure, right. is just Zatoichi. Yeah. So it's like, can, how about in a movie that's not an homage? Can you have? Characters or moments, I would call or that things, like a nod, how would that right? like nod. that one part of the movie was a nod to oh, something. Else. I love Zatoichi though. I'm glad that you mentioned him. I love yeah. Zatoichi. I love the uh, uh, baby cart series. The sure, Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, yeah. we could oh. do a whole nother episode and still talk more about love letter films and, and TV shows. And oh, stuff we could and go for not, hours. We can not overlap. What we, we could do a whole episode just talking about the movie The Love Letter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how do we forget that? <laughs> All right, everyone, right now, write a love letter. To the love letter. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about meta. Metal. <laughs> metal. Jesus Christ. Well, since we can't go for hours and hours and keep your attention, we will definitely, uh, hopefully, Todd, would you come back sometime? This, ha- did you have Put you on the spot right there in the front of the microphone. Yeah, I will. I like this dog. and I like the dog and cat living together. Yeah, they're fun, right? Not necessary, <laughs> actually. Quite yeah. relaxed. Because the dog sent the cat a love letter. <laughs> cat knew it was a love letter and burned it without opening it in front of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, where can people keep up with you? Where can they uh, find you on the internet? Uh, where can they follow you? Where, where do you send people when, when they say, hey, what are you up to? I like my Instagram stories. You can check me out there, and uh, my website, Ulterior Productions, has a lot of the a lot of my work. It has the new stuff. It has some of the short films you're talking about, and that's a good place just to watch everything. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and guys, you can keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Launchpad Pod, and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. 
Go see Isn't a Romantic. Hey, look at that. Now that you've finished listening a to this shout out. <laughs> on the 13th, today, Launchpad Podcast, you finished listening. Go see Isn't a Romantic tonight. Let us tonight. know if it's an homage or a parody or a, a love letter. Yeah, a what love is it? Let us know what you think. What is it? What is it? Yeah, talk to us about it. We what hope you guys it? go see it. Uh, we're gonna go see it, but uh, you want to blast this thing? Yeah, off? we have to blast. Oh, it we gotta blast. Oh, we, we gotta show you the secret. We gotta show you the secret handshake. This is a dining room table. Yeah, oh, you so gotta do a handshake. We, we do on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you gotta go. You come out. I'm Could doing you, it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're gonna do a three-way handshake. Three, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a three-way high five. Yeah. Type so let, let's do it. Let's do it into the middle. So, so we go. We're gonna go into the middle. Into the middle like this. Up without hitting that lamp while making a raspberry with your lips and tongue. All right. That was well done. No broken lamps. Uh, no broken no, lamps. Man. I love you, Ruby. <laughs> I love talking with you, Tad. I don't know if I love you yet, but I love I love where this is going. Love you too, dude. Happy Very Valentine's nice Day. All right. Mad bro love. All right. We're the Rocketeers, and we are. Oh. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Thank you.